Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Be a man. Be tough. Be sweet. No one likes a smarty pants. Don't be such a sissy. Handle it like a man. You should go on a diet. Play the field. Be sexy, but not too sexy. Show him who's boss. You're a princess. You make the money. Let him take care of you. Pick yourself up. Know your place. Keep your mouth shut. The world tells us who we're supposed to be, but it keeps changing its mind. Throughout time, throughout cultures, we can't decide what makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman. The message, the plan, it keeps changing. But what if there was something else? What if there was something better? Something that existed since the beginning. Something untouched by time. Something true and perfect. Really excited about this series that we're starting today, or that we started last week actually, and I'm really getting into it today. Um, but it's a touchy subject. To be quite honest, um, it's one of those things where as soon as you start talking about this, people get a little, okay, where are we going? Or here we go. Or it depends on your worldview, depends on your thought process. So I'm going to pray real quick. Can we pray just as a moment? And uh, let's ask God to be with us as we kind of jump into this. God, um, our goal is truth. Our goal is to hear what it is that you have called us to do, how you've called us to live, and how you've designed us. And so for the next few moments, would you help us to listen for your truth, despite our previous opinions? Would you help us to surrender our hearts um, to what is your true design and calling on our lives? And uh, God, I pray for anyone right now, um, especially men or ladies that would feel a struggle with today that you would help them through that. God, that we would not do this in any way that would be offensive, but that we would be honoring to your truth. And so uh, help us to do that in a way that, that um, is truthful um, and yet is kind and loving, uh, which is honestly something we don't do very well in the church sometimes. And so uh, we ask that. We ask that in the next few moments. Holy Spirit, speak, speak truth into our hearts. Um, we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we are in a series called A Beautiful Design, and what we are doing is we're taking eight weeks, and over the next eight weeks, we are going to talk about the concept of manhood and womanhood. We're going to talk about the concept of gender, and if you don't have uh, notes, the, the ushers are here now, just raise your hand, they'll bring you, you need a pen, something to write with, they'll bring it to you. But we're talking about this concept of manhood, womanhood, uh, boy, that's interesting, anybody watching the Women's World Cup? Uh, I spent like a few hours watching the Women's World Cup yesterday. Um, it was pretty awesome. But that is an area, 
just so you know, that has become the last sort of struggle battlefield, and you want to call it a battlefield of politics, when it comes to the whole gender identity struggle. Here's, here's why. I don't know if you noticed, but just not that long ago, the Olympics kicked out a biologically born man who now identifies as a woman and was trying to compete in the Olympics as a woman. Now that brings some struggle, doesn't it? Like everybody's butt just puckered a little bit. Like, like that, that, are we, are we really going to talk about this in church? Like, do, do we really have to deal with this or address this? And I think we do. Because here's what we can't do. We can't avoid it. Then when somebody brings it to us, we get defensive, so we do it badly. Would you agree? Like, that's, that's the story of the church, if we're honest. Is, is we avoid the tough things. We avoid the tough conversations. We, we, we don't have the ability to have a healthy debate. We, we don't have the ability to agree to disagree sometimes. And just so you know, it's okay for you to agree to disagree this morning. I'm just going to ask you to consider truth. I'm just, I'm just going to ask you to consider truth, consider it from God's perspective, and then you decide what, what, what makes sense from the standpoint of what God says. And we started last week with these three ideas. Origin, purpose, design. In other words, origin, what are we? What, what are we? Well, the biblical perspective is this. We are created beings. Right? We're created we, we are not what it's all about. We don't make the decisions. We're not the creators. We're the created. And that's important. That's really important to start with because you don't take something created and ask it how things should be done. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You ask the creator how things should be done. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to, we're going to look at the Word today and say, what does God wear? And I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit. Because there's a couple of things I'm going to say today that you may have said as a believer that I'm going to challenge you that might have been wrong. Because I think we have gotten this idea of men and women, this idea of leadership that I'm going to address in just a minute. And I think we've gotten a few things twisted, which is exactly what the devil likes to do. We talk about purpose. Purpose is, why are we here? And if you have the worldview that we just evolved, right? We just, we just evolved like your, 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 your uncle, your uncle was a monkey. Of course, some of you are like, yes, he is. Um, if we just evolved and we just came from nothingness, well, then there's really no set truth. There's no solid beginning. But the Bible, the scripture says to us, no, 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 no. God gave purpose to it all. Psalm 139 says the words that before you were born, he decided the days of your life for you. Some people might refer to that, and and this is another touchy subject, but they might call that predestination. That God already has an idea of what your life should look like, which totally makes sense because if, if he's the creator and we're the created, what kind of a creator makes something without an idea in mind? Like, that's, that would be a terrible creator. You understand what I mean? Like, nobody creates anything and then goes, what do I do with this? Like, like you, have a, you have something in mind, you have a, you have a purpose, right? And, something. and so if we're created by the creator, then the creator had a purpose in mind 
for our lives. And if that's the case, then that also means there's a design. In other words, if there's a design, if there's a purpose and a plan, something that God's going to do in our lives, then there's got to be a certain way designed that it works well and a certain way that it doesn't work well. Does that make sense? Right? You, you, don't, you don't sit down and watch TV and all of a sudden your big Samsung, Samsung big screen looks at you and goes, you know what? I don't want to be a TV anymore. It, it, just, it just doesn't work that way. Right? All of a sudden your TV goes, you know what? I, I now identify as a toaster. It, it doesn't work that way. So, so hear me. Just hear worldview. Right? That the reality of if God is the creator and we are the created, then we have an origin, who we are, we're created. We have a purpose, something that's already been put in place by the creator. And we have a design, a certain way that that's going to function the best. Right? Now, can you function poorly and do it differently? Sure. You can cram some toast into the side of your TV. And if your TV is as old as mine, it gets hot enough, the bread might get warm. That doesn't make it a toaster. And so here's what we have to be careful about. If we are the created with a purpose and a design, we got to be careful not to just warm toast. We have got to be careful to understand that I have a certain way that I'm designed to function that is going to bring the optimal and best based upon the Creator's ideas. Does that make sense? You follow with me? Psalm 143 says, Teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on, and I love this term, level ground. Say it to you this way. His way is level ground. My way leads to pain. If there's a creator with purpose and design behind it, his way is the right way, even when it doesn't seem, look, or feel like the right way. Now, if you're a woman here today, let me address the women real quick, because we're going to talk about manhood. Let me address the women here today. Let me tell you why it is so critical for the next couple of weeks, women, that you're not only here, but you really focus. And you really pay attention and you really hear the words that we're going to say as we talk about the way God talks about manhood. And the reason that it is so critical that you do this is not so that we can go, see, this is where you're supposed to act. The reason that it's critical for you to do this, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, write this down. So you can encourage manhood. Did you hear me say encourage? Chihuahuas are not encouraging. You understand what I'm saying to you? Right? That you can encourage manhood, right? And that you can expect manhood. Because ladies, you need to expect it. What do I mean by expect it? Well, my wife has taught my girls, whenever we go anywhere, all four of them, including my wife, Walk up to the door, step to the side, and look at me. What does that mean? Open the door, big boy. Now, before you, listen to me, before you start going, 
I can open the door for myself. This is not a power argument. Listen to me. This is not an empowered argument. This is you helping them be a man. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? This is you promoting something healthy inside of them. Right? What the enemy has done is made this battle between men and women that we see going on around us. And it's not an empowerment issue. That's not what this is. This is a, how we help one another because we're supposed to be helpmates. When he created the man and the woman, he put them together. They were helpmates. So ladies, we need your help. We need your help in encouragement. You know what the need of a man is? Anybody know what the number one need of a man is? Respect. Thank you. I've talked to plenty of you about that. Right? Respect is the number one need of a man. He don't need love. He don't need all this other stuff. So when we go, and we go chihuahua on him, that's why he shuts down. You hearing me? Right? And so we need your encouragement and we need you to expect it. Let me say this to the single ladies. Single ladies, you need to expect it because if you set the bar at two inches, you can find a boy who shaves who will jump over that bar all day long. They'll line up at your door. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? But if you make the decision and you look at him and you go, uh, you're looking good, but all the rest of that, I ain't having none of this. Then you're going to send that boy off to maturation school. I've had some young men that have come and asked to date my daughters. Right? I haven't said yes yet. No, I did say yes to one date. But my point being is there's a couple of them. I looked at them and said, son, you're not ready. You're still acting like a boy. And people are like, Pastor Mike, you said. You called him a boy? You said that to him? Yes, I absolutely said that to him. Why? Because I need to encourage and expect manhood. When did we stop encouraging and expecting manhood? Right? And so I, I really want to push, ladies, pay attention. Please be a part of this. Because if you put your bar at prepubescent ridiculousness, you're going to get plenty of guys lined up at the front door. But let me make two statements. And this is going to be strong, but... It does not matter what your worldview is. Do you hear me? It doesn't matter what your worldview, whether you're an atheist, you're agnostic, Hindu, Buddhist, you love Jesus, you just love tacos, you don't know what you are. It doesn't matter. These two statements have been researched across cultures, across time. And the two statements I'm about to make to you are factual, whether you're at Princeton, Berkeley, or anywhere else. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Number one, where biblical manhood flourishes, so does everything else. That is a researched fact. Where biblical manhood flourishes, so does everything else. And adversely, where biblical manhood is absent, there is pain and suffering. That is governmental sociological, economical, education, you name it, across the board. One of my favorite illustrations of all time, there was a pack of elephants, and they had this, this pack of elephants had wilded out. They were going nuts. This was in Africa. And they were plowing over villages. I mean, killing people. They were running over forests. Like they were just this messed up pack. They sent in biologists from all over the world to study. What the heck is going on? Do they have a disease? Is it a mental thing? I mean, what is going on with these, right? You know what they figured out? 
They figured out there were no adult males in the herd. They flew in what they call a bull elephant, adult males. They flew in some bull males, put them in the midst of the herd, and within 24 hours that herd calmed down and began to act the way it was, stop acting the way it was acting. You need to hear that as a reality because if we're going to talk about manhood, there's a lot of ways you can define it. As a matter of fact, I think the world would define manhood with the three B's. You know what the three B's are? Ball field, billfold, bedroom. Ball field, billfold, bedroom, right? And again, the ball field has gotten interesting because of where we are with sports. Right? I watched this whole argument on TV the other day, watched a couple more podcasts where they're fighting over a guy that wants to compete in the women's thing and the women compete in this. And here's a female athlete going, this is a ridiculous conversation because the 1,500 top men in tennis could all beat Serena Williams. She would be 1,600 in the list. So, we, so we've got a struggle there. You, you see what I mean? Like to me, the ball field in sports is kind of the final place where we've got this struggle of what does it mean? So, so, so what, are, what, what is the answer? What, what is it? Like, I know you're still going, okay, Pastor Mike, where are we going? So give us something here. You've got all this buildup going on. And I'm going to wait till next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how about this? We'll make this statement. Because this is a statement that you would hear in the church or in conservative circles. Men are supposed to lead. Yes? Not always. I told you I was going to say some things that were going to maybe twist a little bit of what you're thinking. Let me ask you this. When we are having a PMS breakdown in the Matheny household, I am more than happy to let Jennifer Matheny leave that situation. Are you hearing me? Does that make me not the head of my household? No. I don't call that slacking in authority. I call that wisdom. Can I get an amen, gentlemen? Yes. So listen, be careful, because I'm not sure men are always supposed to lead. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Is there great leadership qualities in the women around us? Oh, yes, there are. There are absolutely some phenomena, and this is part of the problem. No, it's not a, oh, little, little woman. That's silly old school stuff, right? But that we look at different leaders or people in our church. When I look around the church, I think of different ones that have stepped up in leadership here within our church, Right? If I want an event or something done, I'm calling Misty Buckner. I, I am. I love Don, but I'm not calling Don for the event. And he's shaking his head right now. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Men aren't always supposed to lead. So we got a problem. How do we figure this out? What does that mean? What does it look like? Let's look at what the Scripture says, because the Scripture doesn't say lead. The scripture uses a word that is an old school word. We don't use it much in our culture, but I'm going to say it to, the, to you this way. Headship. Headship. I want to talk to you this morning about headship 
what that looks like and how it plays out. 1 Corinthians 11 and 13. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. Right? Does the man have someone he's supposed to submit to? Absolutely, Jesus. And if he's not submitting to Jesus, we got a problem in the scenario. And then it goes on to say, and the head of the wife is her. Is her who? Every man? No, it says her husband. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. And the head of Christ is God. So we're going to talk marriage for just a moment. Those of you who are singles, hang in there. I got some single stuff for you later on that we're going to talk about. But let me talk from the standpoint of marriage. Um, And and, and just for a few minutes, because I want to talk about this word headship. Headship. First of all, the word comes from the Greek, and it's kafale. Kafale. All right? So let me give you this picture in your head. Kafale. For us to try to understand headship or what that looks like. What does it mean to mean a man is supposed to sit in a role of headship? Now let me back up for a second, because I didn't say this. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I heard you're launching a new church. Yeah, blah, 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 this and that. And she said, well, what is your feeling about women? That was a setup. I was like, I love women. <laughs> just one, right? Just one at a time. But, but, but no, what she was getting at is, what is your feeling about? And she was getting at this whole manhood, womanhood, leadership. Can they be this? Can they not be that? kind of a deal. Are you you hearing what I'm saying to you? What I said to her is, is I need you to understand something. You're asking me to answer multiple questions in one answer. Let me split it up. Are you asking me if women and men are equal? Then yes, absolutely, all day long. Did Jesus die for a woman just as much as he died for a man? All day long. Am I better than Jennifer Matheny? And the resounding answer is no, right? Yes, right, I got it, I got it. But the, listen, equal is not the question, that's, that's the issue we're lumping in. But we have different roles. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but men have a certain plumbing and women have a different plumbing. Have you, anybody else noticed that? We're created differently. We're created to do different roles. Equal in value, equal in dignity different in role, right? Role, headship, headship. So the idea of kafale is the brain, the brain. Now, ladies, before you go, oh, man's the brain. Just hear me out on this. Here's the picture. A brain does not just make commands to the body. Do you know that? That's not what a brain does. A brain takes in all the information that comes from the body, orders it, and then gives decisions for the best flourishing of the body. Do you hear the picture there? In other words, a man in headship, our job is to help bring order. That's why sometimes, not always, sometimes men have a really good ability to kind of back up and go, okay, everybody take a breath, right? I'm going to try to bring order to this. That's what they're doing in that scenario. And so we, we have headship. We're supposed to bring order and flourishing for the rest of the body. Number two, headship is more a responsibility than a right. Headship 
is more of a responsibility than a right. So a right is something we tend to demand or insist upon as something we are owed. This can all too often make for an authoritarian, self-serving atmosphere in a home. Right? Right? The, the man is just like, what I say is what go-. That's not what headship is. Headship is a responsibility more than a right. When headship is viewed as a sacred trust in which a husband is called by God to serve and honor and sacrifice for his wife, the tone and mood of the home is radically improved. That's why when biblical manhood flourishes, so does everything else. Headship is the authority to serve. Headship is the authority to serve. John Stoltz says it this way. If headship means power in any sense, then it is power to care, not to crush. Power to serve, not to dominate. Power to facilitate self-fulfillment, not to self-fulfillment in them, not to frustrate or destroy it. And in all this, the standard of the husband's love is to be the cross of Jesus Christ on which he surrendered himself, even to death, in his selfless love for his Right. Headship is a responsibility, not a right. Number three, headship is the opportunity to lead. It's the opportunity to lead and scripturally circumscribed. I'm going to flesh that out for you. If Jesus is our example in what it means to have biblical headship. So men, as a man, singles, hang in there with me because this still applies to you. We'll get there. If Jesus is our is over us, Right? And he's our head. He's our example of what headship looks like. How did he deal with his apostles? Well, he taught them. He set an example for them. He spent time with them. And, catch this, he delegated authority to them. Is a man always supposed to lead? Not when a woman could do it better in a healthy way. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? There's nothing wrong with that. There's some amazing women that are sitting right next to you right now. Right? And some of the issue of what we've had is we've had this weird thing of just, well, men always lead, men always lead, men always lead. While there is a a champion sitting over here that should be given that ability to do exactly what they're called to do. Right? I'm going to pick on my neighbors. So my neighbors are here. It just occurred to me, Carolyn, I'm going to pick on you for a second. So a hurricane came, and we needed to hook up our generator, right? And Chad comes over to the house and says, hey, you got a generator? Yeah. He's like, let me go get Carolyn. Catch this. Who hooked up the electricity to our generator while the men stood around? Carolyn did. Listen to me. There's no need for that to challenge our manhood. When that's something God's created for her to do. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Like this is, this is something for us to work together where we've made it a battle. We're supposed to be helpmates. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Right? Are you hearing that this is... Men, ladies, I hope you're feeling a little bit empowered. And men, I hope you're being challenged a little bit because the reality is, is listen... When it says on the second half of this, scripturally circumcised... What, uh, a cir- circumscribed... Yeah, I'm a hush. Um, 
inappropriateness coming out of my brain. Anyway, what it means for us means to be scripturally circumscribed means scripture is bigger than it. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Scripture is bigger or more important than that. In other words, husbands have never been given the authority to lead their families in a way that is contrary to the Bible. Headship does not give men the right to be wrong. Simply because God has invested in a husband, the authority of headship does not give him the freedom to lead in ways that are contrary to God's word. And on a related note, if a wife is ever asked or told by her husband to do something that violates scripture, she is not only free to disobey him, she is obligated to do so. You hear what I'm saying to you? We got quiet up in there in this Presbyterian church. Number four, headship does not entail the responsibility. Oh, does this is this is big? Hear this out. Headship does 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 entail the responsibility to make a final decision when agreement cannot be reached. All right, now now it got real. Now the ladies kind of coiled back a little bit, right? Listen to me, headship is never to be identified with issuing of commands, nor does it mean that a husband must make every decision in the home. That's false as well. Unfortunately, some men have mistakenly assumed that it undermines their authority for their wives to take the initiative in certain domestic matters, PMS included. There are times in my house where my wife, if we're in a meeting... She, under the table, puts her hand on my knee. That means, Mike Matheny, you better calm down. You're about to do something stupid. Right? If we're in the, ha- in the house and something's going on with the girls, and I'm starting to lose my temper, she'll just kind of put her hand on my arm. Right? And in that moment, I can either be like, Woman, what's wrong with you? Right? Or I can say, No, we're, we're, we're helpmates here. This is not an authority issue. This is help. This, we're, we're working together here, right? But I wonder how often we're battling so much with each other. But listen to me. But the final decision may on occasion, it is left up to the man, but it is okay for the man to leave it up to the woman as well. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like when do we work partnership and stop fighting each other? We're helpmates. Instead of us battling so much for territory and what it's right for me to do. Number five, it's loving and caring for one wife as much as Christ loves and cares for us. It's loving and caring for one wife as much as Christ loves and cares for us. Christ's love for us in several, several characteristics. It's unconditional. It's eternal. It's unselfish. It's purposeful. It's sacrificial. And it's demonstrative. In other words, it demonstrates itself. Gentlemen, are you demonstrating your love to your wife? These characteristics are summarized uh, in this crazy big statement. I'm going to read it kind of off the screen. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her in order to cleanse her, sanctify her, and ultimately present her to himself in full splendor and without any defect. That was his goal. In other words, his love and self-sacrifice were not an idle display, but purposive. 
And his purpose was not the, to impose an alien identity upon the church, but to free her from the spots and wrinkles. <laughs> Girls, should you give me an amen on the spots and wrinkles? Anyway, which mar her beauty and display her in true glory. The Christian husband is to have a similar concern. His headship will never be used to suppress his wife. He longs to see her liberated from everything which spoils her true feminine identity and growing towards that glory, that perfection of fulfilled personhood in which will be the final destiny of all those whom Christ redeems. To this end, Christ gave himself. To this end, too, the husband gives himself in love. That's good, y'all. Right? This is headship. Headship. Husbands are never commanded to rule their wives, but to love them. Headship is never portrayed in Scripture as a means for self-satisfaction or self-exaltation. Headship is not the power of a superior over an inferior. That's not what it is. Headship, listen to me, is the unique call of the man to establish order so that all flourish. Do you hear that? That we would establish order. That all might flourish. Hmm. How does this play out? Let me give you three areas. This is how I'm going to finish out today for for this week, and then we'll pick up next week on some hurdles that, that men have and that we struggle with. Three areas I want to talk about today. Singles, hold on, I'm getting to you. First of all, let me talk about the home. Let's read out of Ephesians 5 and 23. So remember, we're talking about headship here today, not leadership, not this other. But let's look what it says here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We, We already read that part. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Stop there. In other words... If I'm loving my wife in, in biblical manhood, in biblical headship, in the way that I should, then I should be taking care of her in such a way that I can almost present her back to myself because she's in splendor. Some very wise man said this to me a long time ago. You can tell the quality of the man by the countenance of his wife. That one stings a little bit. But we need to hear it, men. Because it's who we're called to be. So that he might present to the church himself in splendor, without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying this, saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, however, let each one of you love his wife. Let me stop here. Many of you have come and done some counseling with me or some pastoral care with me, and you've heard me say this, but everyone needs to hear this. This is my favorite, the number one voice verse in the Bible for marriage, in my opinion. Because he gives us the basic need of a man and the basic need of a woman. Right? Basic need of a man. uh, I mean of a woman. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. The basic need of a woman is love. 
security. Inside of every woman is that little girl who just wants initially dad, right? Healthy dad. Let's be healthy. It's a weird culture. But healthy dad to put his big strong arm around her and go, I got you, baby. It's okay. And every little girl wants that security and that feeling inside. And that's the challenge to us men. Your job is to make her feel loved and secured. And when she's whacked out, come on, when she's losing her mind, let me give you a little trick. Ask yourself, where is she feeling insecure? Where is it that she's feeling unloved? And if you can pinpoint that, you can change it. You can help. Because if it's a financial issue, she's feeling security issues because of the finances. If it's moving somewhere, she liked her nest and we just jacked her nest up. It's a security thing always. Right? Now, it goes on. And let the wife see that she... What? Come on, ladies. Real loud. Respects her husband. What does that mean? That does not mean chihuahua mode. That does mean that you put down the megaphone and every once in a while pick up the pom-poms. And I don't, don't be all sexist, politically correct on me, but do you hear what I'm saying? That we would encourage, right? It's the dumb stuff that my wife does that makes me feel like a man. You ready? My wife's become an expert at this. They walk in from shopping. They've been out shopping, spending my money. Here's what she says, though. You ready? Here's what she says. Hey, girls, show your daddy what he bought you today. Come on, man. I'm beat my t- Yeah, show your daddy what I bought you today. Right? I, I need to feel that respect. I need to feel... Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That, that reality. And so here's that, here's that balance. Here's, here's what we need to do. Men, if we will start p- dealing with security and love of our wives, she's feeling insecure. I promise you that's what's going on if you'll deal with it. And then ladies, if you'll turn around, we can start seeing something a little bit different within our home. Headship in the home is sacrificial love for their wife. It is spiritual direction for the home. Now, pause, asterisk. Let me put a little extra in here. Because there's some single moms in here right now. And right about now, you're not feeling real great. And I need you to hear something. Don't go running looking for a man because I just told you the man brings spiritual direction to your house. You're looking at a man who was raised by a single mom. And here's what I can say to you. Where there is struggle, God's grace abounds. You hear me? There's grace for your situation. There's grace in that scenario. As a matter of fact, almost every man that I know, that I spend time with now, that is a godly man, has, has a, a bad father situation. And even though it was tough and we didn't have that scenario, we're stumbling forward right now by God's grace, and your kids can be the same way. So just because you're that single mom, don't get your head down in this moment. Do you hear me, mom? Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Spiritual direction for the home, sacrifice, and provision. The man, part of headship, is provision. Oh, here we go. Are you trying to say that if I make more money than him, that there's a problem? I don't know. What's your house like? Here, here's what I'm, listen to me. Here, here, here's what I'm going to say to you. If she's a doctor, 
and that's what she does, then rock and roll. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen to me, men. Don't let that allow that to be something that challenges your manhood. But still your job is provision and order. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? It's, that's still the reality of who you are. So what does that look like? Well, what that looks like is you're still involved in taking care of the provision of the house. Well, here's one thing. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you don't work. A man who don't work is not a man. That's, what, that's scriptural. That's not Pastor Mike. I can lay it out for you if you want. But the reality is, is that is a part of who you are as a man to do something. I don't care. Flip burgers. Do something. Because that, that, that's how we're wired. So that's not a dollar thing in an argument, right? But here's what I also need you to understand. It takes all three of these. You can't just provide and not give spiritual direction. That's not biblical manhood. You can't give spiritual direction and not provide. You can't provide and not be sacrificial towards your wife. That's not biblical manhood. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? It takes all three of those scenarios. I got to move because I'm running way over. Number two, I want to talk about headship within the church. This is always a good issue. This is always something where I'll, I will definitely get an email on. What does headship look like in the Church. Okay, so here we go. Because people kind of the whole, can you have a female pastor? Can you not have a female pastor? Can women do this? Can women not do that? Let's read what the scripture says, not what Pastor Mike says. First Timothy 3 says this. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, let me stop there and say this. You can take that word and you can substitute several different words. Another word that you can put in for overseer is elder, right? So you may be a part of, and on our church, we call them elders, right? So we have elders that oversee the church. You can also put the word in there, bishop, right? You, you can also put the word in there, pastor, although pastoring is a spiritual gift and is different. Those are words that are synonymously used. So when this says overseer, think elder, leader, pastor of the church. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he decides a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. That is God's word, hear me, on what it means to be an elder or overseer in the church. Now that gets touchy. Because ladies go, well, but I have the gift of leadership, so I can't lead. No, 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 listen to me. We didn't say ladies can't lead, did we? 
We just said God was charged, has charged men to headship. Yes? Okay, here within this church, you need to understand, I have leaders that are ladies all over the place. As a matter of fact, if I count the number of leaders in our church, there are more women than there are men. But the scripture is pretty clear, and here's where it gets hard. Because you and I are sinful creatures trying to seek out truth in our sinfulness. Yes? And so when we come up against something that we don't care, care for or we don't like, inside it pushes back. All I can tell you is this. What the word says to me very clearly is in the role of elder, that is a role that men are supposed to play within the church. The reality is, is any other leadership whatsoever, and absolutely a woman can take that role. Now that's tough. And I've written a small paper that we adapted from another church to clarify this more so that any of you have a question, I'll be happy to send it to you. What's at the end of this paper that, that I have is it says this. We reserve the right to be wrong. I mean that. All I'm trying to do and all I'm asking you to do is to read God's word and submit to his word no matter what it says. Let me ask it to you this way. If I picked up God's word and I went, y'all, I found a new verse. It's the craziest verse. I never knew this verse was here. You know what it says? It says, all men over 35 who live in Leesburg are not allowed to drive. Let me ask you a question. Would you do it? If I could open up the Bible right now and say, here's a verse, and it says this, all white people, which is most of the people up in here, right? All white people are no longer allowed to operate motor vehicles within the state of Florida. Would you submit? Here... I know these are ridiculous, but here's my point. What it means to be a follower of Christ is we will do whatever God says. That's what it means. Do, do, do we understand it? No. Do, do, do we understand everything? No. Do some things look unfair? Yes, it looks unfair. You know that scripture that says, turn the other cheek? I think that's totally unfair. Somebody pops me in the mouth, I want to pop them in the mouth. I think that's unfair. It doesn't matter. That's what the scripture says. Will I submit to it and will I do it? But I don't understand. I don't see. I, don't, I can't come up with a good reason for that. Let me ask you this. Just because you can't come up with a good reason for it, does that mean God doesn't have one? Right? At, at, at some point, we've got to understand some things are bigger than us. If we have a creator and we're the created, guess what? The creator is probably a little smarter. Scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So there are some things that when we come to in the word, it's going to be about simply submitting to God. And so as best as I can understand, in this concept of headship, when it comes to the church and what we just read, then men hold the role of elders and women can hold any leadership that has to do with that. Now let me say this. What does it look like in the community? This is the third area I'm going to close with. What does it look like headship? And here's where I'm going to talk to you single guys because single guys are going, okay, 
uh, I'm not married and I'm not an elder in the church. So what the heck does headship mean for me? Here's what it means. Headship, that, that leadership scenario, right? And I'm using that leadership word carefully. That, that headship scenario means that you have been given charge to protect and serve. Given charge to protect and serve, and that means also your community. Now let me ask you, does a man have headship over someone who is not his wife and he's not an elder in the church? Absolutely not. You are completely equal according to Scripture and everything that we can read. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just just because a man is a man and he walks into a room does not mean he's bigger or better than anyone in the room until that authority has been given by God. Are you hearing? And there's the battle. There's the struggle. For so long, men have walked in the room and been like, man's here. And that's unscriptural. That's, that's not anywhere. I can't read that. I can't find that anywhere else. Do, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Right? But what it does mean is that we serve. Single men, your job, catch this, your job, if you so choose, unless you have the spiritual gift of singleness. I've only known a handful of people. That might, no, I take that back. I've known two men in my life that said they had the gift of celibacy. You know what the gift of celibacy is? For the rest of my life, no sex. (laughs) I don't get it. I'm just telling you, I don't get it. But unless you have that gift, right, then your job, single man, is to seek out a godly woman to have offspring with to further the kingdom. That is how you express the beautiful design of headship. That's what that looks like. And to do anything else. In other words, if I go find somebody at the club, (laughs) come on. Or if I do anything else, that's outside of the design of what it means in biblical manhood. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So I'm, I I hope that I've, that I've challenged you a little bit. I hope that I've even stirred up some thoughts. Because our job is to serve and protect. Now, when I say that protect thing, that's another touchy. Because we get some women that go, I protect, take care of myself. And I've met some women can take care of themselves, right? But I'll prove it to you this way, that it's innate built into us that this is the way God designed us. When the uh, shootings happened in Colorado at the theater a number of years ago, I don't know if you remember that. Guy comes into a theater in Colorado, pops a couple gas canisters, throws in, pulls up the AR and starts mowing people down. There were three young men there that night. Those three young men were there with dates. Girlfriends, not married, not wives, just dates. All three of those young men threw the women, threw, threw the women down, got over them. All three of those men died. All three of the girls were critically injured, but lived. And their critical injuries were just because bullets went through his body and, and then hit hers, but not with the same impact. Not a person on the planet doesn't look at that and go, hero. Hero. Let me give you this, the other side. The other side is, there's a number of years ago the, of an incident, I could tell you to pull it up, you could look it up on Google, but basically, there's a boat going down. 
And they have actual pictures of some men pushing women and children out of the way to get into the life rafts. There's not a person on the planet that doesn't go, loser. Why is that? Because it's innate put inside of us. This is not supposed to be a battle. It's a beautiful design. Do you, do you hear? And when we do that well, when we put this beautiful design well, it's awesome. It's awesome the way God has designed us to complement and to work together. But it takes surrender. Men, you have to surrender it to Jesus. A real man is under the headship of Jesus. Didn't we start with that? Who's the head? Jesus is. And so let me challenge you here again today, men, to re-decide this morning to put myself back under the headship of Jesus. Or maybe you've never done that and you need to do that for the very first time. And today, you can do that with a simple prayer. We're going to pray that. Ladies, let me challenge you to take this information and to think about how you're interacting with men. Stop listening to CNN and Fox. Come on. They're just trying to make money. Are you hearing me? They're trying to stir the battle. What I'm trying to do this morning is to settle it. It's to settle it in a healthy place where we work together and understand there is a beautiful design that the creator of the universe designed for us to work in. And when we work towards that, man, it's cool. Man, it's awesome. So would you today, and I'll use the word surrender, multiple thoughts. You might surrender your heart for the very first time to Jesus today and go, okay, I, I don't understand it. But I'll surrender today and try to do life His way. You might re-surrender your heart today as men and say, You know what? I need to man up in some areas. I need to understand this idea of headship. I need to do this in a better way. And today I recommit that. Ladies, that you would surrender today to a biblical definition of manhood. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right? That you would decide today, You know what? I'm okay with that. And I'll work with that and stop working against that. Can we all agree today to surrender our own opinions, our own thoughts, and say we want it God's way? Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us do that. Father, thank you for your word today. And um, I pray, God, that, that your word came across clear. And we choose in this moment, no matter how much we understand, how much we're still struggling with, we just make a choice because it's called obedience to surrender our lives to you. For the men, we surrender our hearts to you knowing that you are in charge of us. You are the head over us, Jesus. We claim that again today over ourselves and our houses. And Father, for those that need to surrender for the first time to you, that they would commit their heart, call out to you as Lord today, and ask that you would forgive their sins. I pray over the ladies that are here today. God, that you would help them to come alongside, to see this as a beautiful design, not a war anymore, but something you've designed that we might flourish in. Strengthen our singles, God, who are struggling a little bit and battling in those areas. Would you step in and be a husband to them and be a wife to them right now? 
God, we thank you so much. I just, man, I feel your Holy Spirit moving in our hearts, tearing down barriers and strongholds and places of strife and division. We want peace. We want to live life within the beautiful design you have created. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.